It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the BWI Live Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We are talking about Penn State football, Penn State recruiting, and Penn State hoops. All on the show today, we've got the experts to give you all the best information on those topics. Plus, we're going to do a little bit of speculating, a little bit of off-season talk. Does James Franklin have something to prove this upcoming season? Uh, You know it's February when. Uh, but the experts are going to give their thoughts on that as well. Sean Fitz, publisher of uh, Blue White Illustrated and senior editor, Nate Bauer. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Fitz, it's been a while. We haven't done this in like uh, 14 hours or so. Yeah, if you didn't get a chance, uh, check out our commitment video. We went live last night after Lyric Samuel became the 11th member of the Penn State class of 2025. Wide receiver from New York, personally pretty high on uh, after seeing him in camp a couple of times, watching his junior film. There's a lot to work with there at 6'3 and a half, 170. I do encourage you to check out that video. We talk uh, receiver targets. We talk about Samuel's growth. We talk about Samuel's potential early impact or lack of potential early impact uh, ability. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot. And I got a nice little barb at Ryan Snyder in there too. So it's always happy. And everybody's <laughs> always happy to see that. That was one of your best jokes in a while. I, I did enjoy it's, that. It's completely recycled. I've used it a ton of times since he moved from Belfont to Harrisburg. And he, you know, he's from Harrisburg. He wanted to be down there and everything like that. But, you know, we can, we can, you know, stick that, uh, stick that in anytime we can. Uh, but now he's, uh, he's back from vacation. So, Excited to, yeah, the wording was not great there. I excited to hear the um, uh, the recruiting coverage that he has when he comes back from Vegas and he gets back with his feet under him. Yep, and that we'll have those conversations on Thursday on the BWI live show. That's our recruiting show, same time, ten a.m. on Thursday. So check that out as well. Uh, Nate Bauer, we're going to get to basketball proper. Uh, we've got a question. Somebody just is going to give you an open mic during the BWI mailbag segment. But do you want to give a little bit of a teaser? on some Penn State basketball conversation that we can have on the show today. Uh, <laughs> kind of sure. hard to do. Like, it is kind of an interesting needle I'm asking you to thread here of, yeah. give us a teaser of what was breaking news yesterday in big news, but also, like, you know, just a little taste, yeah. a little nugget. Well, the team's leading scorer is no longer in the program, so that's, yep, shocked face. Uh, so that's, you know, that's something that's something they're going to have to deal with that for the next couple of weeks before the season runs out. But, uh, you know, part of that conversation certainly will be timing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. there's five games left. There's five games left in the regular season, presumably given the way that things have gone lately, three losses in a row. Uh, it will be a short postseason for, for Penn state. So uh, you know, <laughs> is that your I, expert prediction? That is, that is my expert prediction. I will, I will All throw right. that out there. Uh, the off season is coming for Penn state basketball and it's a, it's critically important. So yeah, lots to talk about. 
Yeah, we're going to get that into that in the BWI mailbag to end the show. We've got some uh, message board questions. As always, the best way to get a question on the mailbag is to join bluewhiteillustrated.com and to submit a question on our weekly mailbag. Unless I forget or I fall asleep, it goes up Monday night before the Tuesday show. And if you want to do that, Two months for a dollar. Use the code PSU1. You can join us because you're here on the YouTube and podcast audience. You support us already. We want to give you a little bit extra. So PSU1 is the code. If you sign up, you get two months. Normally, it's just a dollar. Uh, it's just two. It's it's one month for a dollar. But we're giving you the extra month to try out BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. By the way, that's going to take you to the blue-white game. We are officially eight weeks out. So you want to join now? You get the inside info into spring practice because it's just around the corner. Uh, one thing that we did talk about earlier this week, we haven't had a chance to talk about it here on the show. Um, Penn State had a uh, small media availability after their Thon event on Saturday. Fitz and I were there. Um, Nate was covering a basketball game. And uh, Fitz, I wanted to give you the floor to talk about what you what was interesting to you. What did you witness? Who did you talk to that you thought um, stood out from the media event you want to mention here on the show? Well, great event. Number one, obviously the, the, the Thon kids over there playing with the, basically the entire team was there. Um, I don't think there were any no shows, but, uh, looking around, everybody was, you know, having a good time playing around. Uh, it, it's really cool to see some of the personalities shine through. And we talked a lot about Nick Dawkins this off season and Nick Dawkins put in more miles running around that facility, chasing kids, having kids chase him than, than anybody. So like, yeah, there's, there's one of your leaders for, uh, for, for 2024 in a big way. Um, can I, no, can I, ta can I toss something in about Nick Dawkins that I noticed he's got his old man grandpa dad sit he's got it down perfectly where he's got the elbow on the leg and he's like sitting forward like that i just i was like that's a veteran that's how a veteran sits when he was right. hanging out with some of the kids today that's a that's a center move right there he's got that natural bend you know yeah you, know, you can get down low uh nate any thoughts on the hips no okay um so no it was it was a good event um really cool to see them get in there got to hear keandre lambert smith sing so, yeah. Um, but uh, beyond that, it was a it was a really uh, it was a really good really good event. We got to talk to uh, several players. I, I talked to KJ Winston, talked to Tyler Warren, Don DeLuca was there, uh, Drew Aller, and Nick Singleton. So that was the lineup. A pretty good lineup for for an event. But I think the 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 cool thing is like they're all happy to be there. Like these guys are they understand their role in a situation in something that is you know, bigger than them. Thon is obviously the, 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 the large thing that everybody talks about on campus and, and understanding that they're, they're not bigger than this whole, this whole scene. And I think that that's a really cool thing. When you talk to them, you see the, the, the family atmosphere that they preach and a lot of things that they preach whenever, you know, they've been recruited to Penn state. So, um, that was good. Um, in terms of like, it, it, it's so funny doing these interviews because you start off and you ask them about Thon and then you're like, Hey, by the way, we've got some stuff to do because people want to know about football. And then we, yeah, transfer into football kj winston now wearing number two so your two starting safeties are going to wear number one and number two that's always going to be fun um and then you've got number six out there gonna they're gonna play a lot of three safeties i think uh with Saki wheatley as well so um that's what he was kind of talking about his excitedness to be in uh, tom allen's defense what he can bring to the table um you know i'm up to talk to kj or about kj at any time and uh you know it was a good uh, good face-to-face -face session with him yeah, if you want to check out some of the things he had to say, uh, Fitz wrote about that over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. I have the link to the article 
in the video description. So if you want to just scroll down and check it out, another great reason to sign up because then you get access to that article. One of the things that I spent most of my time doing before we talked, I just talked Drew Aller's ear off about, hey, what's the offense like? What, what can you tell us about scheme, formation, motion? He had some really interesting thoughts. Uh, one of them, he compared this system and something he's done, I think, the last two years to the NFL uh, West Coast zone systems under Shanahan, you know, the Shanahan tree, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, second year in a row, he's compared elements of the offense to that. Uh, so one, I think Drew really likes that offense and he wants to incorporate parts of those into what they do here. But also, I think it's a fair comparison seeing some of the things in the shifts and the motions, which again, wrote about over at bluewhiteillustrated.com about a week ago. Um, I, the thing I was interested in, though, was seeing some of the um, new players up close for the first time. Some of the freshmen, some of the transfers. Um, I got photos, I think, of all of the transfers and all of the early enrollee freshmen, which you can go again. I, I'm not trying to just always be plugging the site, but this is where some of those things that I don't have for you right now on the show. You can go check those out. Uh, offensive linemen were a big topic of conversation with um, uh Cooper Cousins looking like a veteran out there, you know, walking around looking like a full-fledged offensive lineman. And then you've got on the other side, Egan Boyer, who looked like he was first off about to go out and go hunting. He was the one guy wearing blue jeans, uh, but also looking pretty skinny. So like some of the understanding, some of the projects, some of the places where these guys are starting from, uh, I thought was super interesting. Yeah. Uh, anything it's, else? Uh, fits Daytona just weekend. To you. It, it was Daytona weekend for Egan Boyer. So that's why he was uh, celebrating in kind. Uh, obviously, North Carolina native, very big down there. Um, but no, there was it, it was all over the place. You saw Garrett Sexton, who popped up on the latest roster at 296. He's a big boy and he's got he's got room to grow. Uh, that's a lot of weight at once. Um, so I'm curious to see how that sort of that wave goes and, and, and sort of evens itself out. But you had him, you had a bunch of the other freshmen there. Antoine Belgrave shorter. I think a good looking prospect. Uh, the the yeah. transfers were there. Nolan Rucci is a big dude. I haven't seen Nolan for years and uh, he's got a mullet now, which is very Wisconsin of him. But uh, he's a, he's a very, very big individual. Um, so you can check out some more of that over at bluewoodillustrated.com, like I said. But today I want to introduce our newest sponsor on the show, and that is Nittany Cards Plus. Nittany Cards Plus in State College and Center County is Center County's only dedicated sports trading card and collectible shop. If you're watching here on the YouTube channel, you can see I got a chance to go to the shop yesterday and check out a bunch of these things. Located on 1631 South Allen's, uh, excuse me, South Averton Street next to the PNC Bank across from the CVS and State College. Huge selection of single cards, graded slabs, and sealed hobby boxes, licensed brands such as Topps, Bowman, Panini, Upper Deck, and more. Uh, one of the things that they have a lot of are the Bowman Chrome University football products. So uh, your favorite Penn State football player and other top names in college football, you can go and check them out. You can see that they have a massive Penn State collection, some uh, Penn State cards, some rookie cards. There's some Joey Porter Jr. cards, uh, Jahan Dotson, if you like NFL um, they've got Saquon Barkley, Devontae Smith. They have a, a whole a whole section, as you can see here, just of uh, Philadelphia sports. They've got a Pittsburgh section. And of course, um, anything you may want from other sports, including uh, baseball, hockey, and basketball. They actively buy and trade individual sealed trading cards and their signed memorabilia, and they carry supply uh, in their display materials. You need to keep your collection safe. So if you need to put the you know your cards in a sleeve or anything, they've got the equipment to help you build your card collection and keep it in pristine order. So 
If you want to go, check it out. 1631 South Averton Street in State College, or you can call 814-954-7488. And I'm excited to tell you this. Uh, We're going to be there. The Friday before the blue-white game, we are doing a live broadcast from Nittany Cards Plus, so you can check that out the weekend of blue-white, but you should go right now and see the great inventory they have there as well. So thanks to Nittany Cards Plus for being a part of the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, so here's our off-season conversation. This comes from Greg Pickle over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com via ESPN. And this was a conversation piece this off-season. ESPN's college football staff picked the coaches that have the most to prove in 2024. So here is uh, the quote from the ESPN article. Franklin's tenure in State College has featured a lot of winning. He picked up where Bill O'Brien left off coming, uh, compiling four 11-win seasons. However, the Nittany Lions most prominent games under Franklin, there hasn't been a lot of winning. With college football playoff expanding from 4 to 12, Penn State has a great opportunity to break through with both Michigan and Oregon uh, not on the schedule and Ohio State coming to Beaver Stadium in 2024. It just needs to find a way to close out against better teams on the schedule. So James Franklin, one of the coaches that has the most approved in college football, according to uh, ESPN. Guys, James Franklin's been here for uh, 10 years now, going into the 11th season. He has compiled, I think, the consecutive 10-win season mark he owns. They have done more winning than losing. Nate, what's fair about this conversation? Oh, boy. Um, What's fair? Uh, Obviously... Penn State fans want more, right? They, I mean, nobody's going to blame them for that. They, they, they would. They, I, I see, and nobody's going to like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, it, the playoff as a standard of success is ridiculous, uh, as it as it has been for the past ten years, right? The the only way to be successful in college football is to be in the playoff. Uh, that's crazy. When when three percent of your sports participants are represented in the playoff, that's that's nuts. Every everybody else, every other pro sport, every other major sport is thirty percent plus. So it's just like let's start with that as as a baseline. Um, you know, if if Penn State had made the playoff in two thousand sixteen when they finished number five, does that? honestly change the conversation of of james franklin's tenure if they lose the in the semifinal 
I, I don't think so. I, right. I mean, we can do all kinds of hypotheticals. We can have all, all kinds of mental gymnastics. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get it. P- people want a national championship. They are thirsting for it. It has been a long time. Realistically, it has been a long time since Penn State has climbed that mountain, has been to mm-hmm. the top of that mountain. And whether people are willing to acknowledge it or not, it's extraordinarily more difficult to get there now in today's college football with many more factors coming into play than just coaching. <laughs> like just this idea that this idea that coaching that that college football head coaching uh, is a, an act that happens for three and a half hours on Saturdays in the fall is just wrong. It's just not, it's not how it works. It's not what it yeah. is. Uh, is that a component? Sure. Is mm-hmm. it reality? No. And so at the end of the day, it, this conversation of having the most to prove, no, I, I, I disagree with that, but also understand the thirst of Penn state fans and the Penn state community to, to get over the top. I mean, there's just, they, they want to get there and the 12 team playoff is going to change a lot of perceptions of what success is or what success could be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, but even, I, I, I don't know. I, from my broad perspective, I see if, okay, Penn state gets to the playoff under James Franklin and loses in the first round. It's still a disappointment, right? Mm-hmm. There, there is, there, there is nothing short of getting to and winning a national championship that will satisfy uh what is becoming a broader segment of the fan base than i think it has been uh in a long time honestly fitz um james franklin most to prove your thoughts yeah i'm uh i haven't been in the thread with in the foxhole with nate as much on this one um, oh, but, take uh, it bob buddy i mean everything <laughs> that's said there is fair with the exception of picked up where bill o'brien left off you know because there was a lot between that and the four straight 11 win seasons there yeah um excuse me the the notion that you better make the playoff or you deserve to be fired is is insane like like I, I just I I can't wrap my head around it. And, and I see the same thing with position coaches with uh, coaches all over the place. It's not just a Penn State thing. Like the the standard is a certain level, but the fan standard deservedly so is higher. I get that. Yeah. But to say it's either this guy, this this or the highway. Like what are we doing here? Like what what why is there no sort of in between that we can go to that? Hey, he's done a really good job. But criticism is warranted. He needs to be better in big games. Uh, there's a conversation going on, on the side here that he's pissed away winnable games. He's he's lost five games in the last two years to Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, and pretty good Ole Miss team. Which yeah, obviously we you know that was not uh, that was not ideal. But yeah. look at every other game on the schedule. Not that that absolves him of not making the playoff or anything like that. But like, th- th- what are we doing here? Like what, what is the situation where it's either that or get out, we'll find somebody better, which probably won't. Um, but, uh, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I see things is like, yes, there's criticism warranted. We've done a lot of criticizing like that. Let's, let's put that in that, uh, that other pile that needs, needs to be talked about or doesn't need to be talked about, but right. done a lot of criticizing. And I think it's continues to, he continues to be under the microscope, but his job at stake. I mean, wh- what are we doing? Yeah, it's I, I, sorry. Go ahead, Nate, because there's something in the chat that I think is interesting that you brought up, but I want to hear your reply to that. Well, I, I was just going to say, look, that 
regardless of what people want or people say they want, James Franklin's not being fired at Penn State. Like, bottom line, it, it's not happening in the next three plus years. Okay. The, in terms of reality, James Franklin will either quit, right? Take, take another job uh, within the next, I would say, six years or will re-up his current contract within the next five years. That that is that is the timeline. So there there is no firing. It's not it's not gonna happen. Uh I have the numbers right here. Okay. Penn State has the ninth best winning percentage in college football since 2016. Okay. The teams surrounding them or the teams above them are Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, Michigan. Notre Dame, Washington. Okay. Then you have Penn State and then you have LSU. And then after that, it's Oklahoma State. I'm talking about Power Five here Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, Wisconsin, Iowa. Okay. Here's the issue for Penn State. All of those teams above them in winning percentage have that playoff appearance. Yep. Every single one of them. Okay. Uh, LSU, lower than them, has that playoff appearance. But what people aren't going to like but is kind of the reality of this situation. Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, Iowa, right? What do they all have in common? <laughs> it's it's like this tier of Big Ten stalwarts that you know exactly what you're getting from them, yeah. but also you don't take them seriously, right? Does anybody take Iowa seriously as a, a playoff participant? Does anybody no. take Wisconsin serious, <laughs> right? And so for Penn State fans grappling with that grappling with where you stand in the hierarchy like i get it i get it you want yeah. you want to be a a bigger more relevant more competitive part of that conversation right i mean if you're if you're squeezed in with oklahoma and michigan and notre dame and maybe your your winning percentage is just a touch less but you are relevant when it comes to getting to that echelon yeah like that's what you want and it hasn't happened yeah. And until it does happen, right, there's just going to be a lot of dissatisfaction. I get it. Steven is in the chat and he says, forget a national championship. A Big Ten championship would be nice. And that's the problem uh, is that you don't get to a Big Ten championship without going to the playoff. You know, even if you if you get a Big Ten championship the last decade, that is almost an automatic bid to the playoff, despite the one year it wasn't. Um, so I, I, I think that, you know, the reality of the situation of top-heavy Ohio State, Michigan, as as, fit, as uh, Nate just mentioned, is teams that were ahead of them. Um, I want to go back to his original uh, point he makes here in the chat, donating to the channel. If you want to donate to the channel here in the offseason, keep the lights on. Appreciate it. Steven is a regular. Always appreciate his contributions. He says, I like Franklin. I didn't think I don't think he should be let go, but he's not reached the level we all expected him to. We're a second-level program in the Big Ten below Michigan, Ohio State, and Washington. And I find that last one interesting because, Nate, he just said, before you said it, what you outlined is, is Penn State a second-tier program or are they closer to that top tier? Because the difference in Washington and Penn State and some perception that Washington is a better program is at the beginning and the end of the college football playoff, they have one appearance. So that, you know, that is something different than Penn State. But they're in the Pac-12 where USC has been bad by standard comparison, and there's more upward mobility. So do you think it's fair, Fitz, that Washington automatically leaps Penn State in the Big Ten standings, and now, you know, Oregon, 
Washington, Penn State is fourth or fifth on this list in terms of Big Ten prestige now that the conference is expanding. I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're going to come in next year and it's going to be um, one of those low points because I, I think it's going to be one of those low points where you're you're going to say, oh, well, this is, you know, a guy that is or a team that is coming in from the Pac-12 is not going to be seriously because they're going to fall off, but they're going to fall off anyway. Like they're, they're losing quarterback, coach, all that kind of stuff. So like, I don't think that that's really the true mark of what Washington's going to be. Washington's going to be a number four or five program in the big 10, like kind of in the same, same sense that Penn state is, I think, I think, I don't know that, but they've done a really nice job in the last couple of years, especially with Kalen DeBoer. Obviously that's why I got that job at Alabama, but you think, uh, okay, so Ohio state, Michigan, and that's, that's the funny thing is Michigan's won the last two big titles and we still list, list Ohio state first. Um, Oregon's going to change it. that. That's going to be the team that changes things, I think. Um, and then Penn state, Washington in that little mix. The interesting thing here. Nate mentioned Iowa and Wisconsin before they don't have the big 10 West to fall back on anymore. Like that's why those numbers are so high up there. You're beating Northwestern, you're beating Purdue, you're beating the teams in that half of the conference, not as strong. And then, you know, that, that sort of plays into the Penn state argument. Like they're the number three team in the big 10 East. They're also the number three team in the big 10. Like that's, that, that, that's kind of the reality of the situation there. So I, I think there are things that will help. I think there are things that will go against it, like going to the West coast and having to play Oregon and things like that. But I also think that the expectations mm-hmm. are going to change across college football. As we, as we see the sec going to the nine game schedule, as we see uh, the big 10 doing what they're doing and expanding that the 10 and two is going to take a hit. And it's not gonna be a big hit. Like nine and three is going to be a pretty good year. I think. Like that, I think you're 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 stepping on more uh, landmines there as you go through the season. So that's what I think the the expectations and what we've seen with the expectations with a 12 game season and that people are not going to take to that. Like that that is going to take some time for people to process. Uh, Rob is here in the chat. He says, "How many games did Georgia win this year that they shouldn't have? Beating teams that are better than you is rare for any program." And I think that's the conversation where we talk about the. The criticism of Franklin is coming into this year, I think all of us felt like they had a chance to beat Ohio State. Uh, Nate, James Franklin talked about what he would have said if they beat Ohio State because that was kind of the expectation. They had a defense that was great. They had a great running game. All they needed to do was fix the offensive passing game, and they couldn't get over that hump. So I guess when when you tried to navigate that criticism, which is what the – uh, thing outlined in general, the the impetus yeah. for this conversation outlined in general. How how fair is that? That and somebody mentioned in the chat. There's always an excuse. There's always a Mike Yersich to throw under the bus. There's always something like that. Yep. How fair are these conversations? And I guess where do you point in these shortcomings that are fair, but not just kind of going to the cliche of the moment, which James Franklin can't win big games. Here, here. Okay, so there there are two. There's two sides of this, right? The the fair side, the thing that I think that you can say and have a legitimate case to make is ultimately, and Fitz, you can chime in, T. Frank, you can chime in, okay? I don't see head coaches as actively having an outsized influence over the outcomes of games, right? I, that's, that's just a personal perception with feedback from people who play the game, who coach the game. I see coordinators as putting players in position to execute plays and then players overwhelmingly dictating what happens in the game, right? They either execute or they don't. And certainly there is some wiggle room there in terms of 
uh, the head coach's influence on what the game plan is, how you scout, how you do all of those things. I get it. But the head coach's job in college football specifically is is broader than that. It's 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 different. It's not it's not about just, hey, when you call a timeout, what you do on fourth down, when you punt, when you go right, all of those things. Uh, I, I don't see it that way. The second side that I think is is unfair and points to that comment that you just saw is, look, overwhelmingly, you want to be the favorite, right? Like in terms of teams you should beat versus teams you can't beat or shouldn't beat, like there's a way to know what those numbers are. And it is, what is your record as a favorite? What is your record as an underdog? Penn State has been a favorite over the last 10 years, a ton, right? Guess what? They're really good as the favorite. Penn State has won 86% of their games. Don't they also favorite. cover a lot? Like not only they, they win, but they win expectedly. They win expectedly. Their their against the spread number is fantastic, right? The only teams better than them uh, are Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Clemson, and Iowa in terms of winning percentage as the favorite. Now, here's here is to me the crux of this fallacy that people have in their minds that they don't they don't really grasp there are two programs in college football two with a winning record as an underdog over the last 10 years two i'm dying to know nate tell me who that who are they yeah don't leave clemson clemson is five and four and oklahoma state is 18 and 15. those are the two winning records as an underdog but here, like, that's one side of that picture. Here's the other side that's more important than that. It's not just your winning percentage. It's how often are you the underdog? Yeah. Okay? There is a commonality here that is easy to see, which is, you know, who isn't an underdog? Ohio State. They're two and four since 2016. Oklahoma is three and eight since 2016. Georgia, four and seven. Clemson, again, nine games for Clemson. The difference in echelon that you're talking about is, hey, Penn State has been an underdog 21 times since 2016, which isn't actually a lot. Comparatively speaking, in college football, it's not a lot. But these other teams that you're talking about that win all the time and are at the top, they're the favorite like 10 times (laughs) over the last eight or nine years. Like, that there is a very clear distinction. If Penn State is losing games more, is is going into the Ohio State game, the Michigan game, now that Oregon's part of the conversation, right? Washington being part of the conversation. If Penn State is going into those games as the favorite and losing consistently, you have a much stronger argument. There is a much stronger argument to make. The, the counter to it is, Hey, if you're a Penn State fan, if you are a Penn State fan, what does it take to get the program to stop being the underdog in those games? What's the like, T. Frank, Fitz, chime in. What? Why are you the underdog? Why is Penn Mm -hmm. State the underdog going into those games? Is it James Franklin? Legitimately, does does Vegas care that James Franklin is the head coach when it chooses who the favorite and the underdog is in those games? Fitz, I have a pithy answer that's gonna 
no go ahead. lean into the lean into the chat do you have a more thoughtful one not really no okay. I, my 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 retort is hey beat ohio state michigan that's all the only thing that matters and and that's the arg like that that is the argument to your long drawn out you know stats and everything like that is hey beat michigan or ohio state and that's yeah and that's the fallback but, it's like and, and do it without marvin harrison jr do it without a complete roster uh in a sense and you know and and we're highlighting here that yes they need to be better against those teams you're not mm -hmm. going to beat those teams regularly. Uh, you, but like, yeah, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you how do you go into that game and not be the underdog? I mean, I'm looking I'll, for an answer. The answer is get better players. I was just about to say that. I I, I said that by get, saying getting Marvin Harrison Jr. specifically for last year. But yeah, like that's that is the uh, fits. Recruiting is the, everything here. Yeah. Somebody asked the question. Um, and I want to take this in a different way than saying the, the question is, um, Kevin, uh, Ken has this. I think the question is for Penn State with James Franklin. Do you want to maintain stability or do you want to adopt a win now attitude? And I'm going to specifically, I don't necessarily agree with that, but James Franklin's program building point has been recruiting development and portal when necessary, as opposed to maybe Elaine Kiffin and James Franklin talked about this uh, about a week ago where he said, you know, you go to the portal all the time. You have to then keep going back to the portal. It's kind of like a drug. So do you want to have a, a more volatile program that maybe hits higher highs because you're gambling more? Or do you want to have a program that is consistently excellent and putting out very good players that go on to the NFL and have success and, and are very good in college? Um, is that a is that a false uh, dichotomy fits. I don't think so. I mean, it, it's, it goes back to recruiting and that's going to be what I'm going to lean on here. And you look at where Penn state's been, they've been at the expectation, you know, 12 to 14 is kind of where they've been. And they're, they're, they've been slightly above that as a program. Um, so that's good. It's development. It's, um, continuity. You mentioned portal a little bit ago. Penn state's gotten better at that in terms of identifying the right guys. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of luck. Like you think about the times that, that, that teams are peaking with 80% of their roster, but there's a new quarterback or something, you know, or it could be the entire flip side. You could have a really good experienced quarterback and you have to break in the other pieces and then you hit the team and you hit the team on the schedule that had that doesn't have that like they don't have that problem and, and the problem with Penn State's schedule is you've hit that a lot with Ohio State now Michigan has been you know back and forth a little bit Michigan's uh, sort of taken it over the top a little bit in the last couple of years but like that's kind of what you're battling here in, in that situation I think Penn State's done a pretty good job recruiting and developing but they've they've plateaued at a pretty good level and that's obviously not good enough to to make it to the playoff and make it where they want to be Nate you you're ready how to go. You, you're about to explode. How, you're how do you get better fits? How do you get better players in today's better. college football? How, how do you get better players? Better investment. Fits say it. What does that mean? You have to buy them. You pay for it. That's it. Penn State recruits remarkably well, given the infrastructure financially that they have to work with. If you want to beat those programs, like why did Michigan's play, Michigan's players? Okay, uh, I saw a comment. Zero and six over the last three three years against Michigan, Michigan and Ohio State. Was Penn State the favorite in any of those games? I don't know. No, no. Okay, why, why, why? What did Michigan have this year that Penn State didn't have? They had a 
horde. It was overwhelming, overflowing with sixth and fifth year players who came back because there was funding for them. They made the investment. They made the pitch to be able to get those players to come back and be an active part of their program. Penn State, Penn State did in some respects a decent job from last year to this. In, For instance, the defensive tackles, right? They were able to mm-hmm. keep grown blank men, right, who are coming back in the program. That helps. That is a major boost to what Penn State is going to do this season. However, if you want to get, if you want to go out and get a quarterback that's better than the one you have, like what Ohio State just did matters. All of that stuff matters. What you're able to do in terms of talent acquisition, it is a talent acquisition game that's talent acquisition as players, that's talent acquisition as coordinators, you name it. All of that stuff, it matters. It goes into what your final product is. And those programs, those programs have executed at a higher level what the game is now than what Penn State has. Nate is getting a standing ovation in the chat. So we are going to let that be the final word. All right. (laughs) Penn Penn State made this massive investment. Penn State made this massive investment in their facilities, the weight room, right? All of this stuff that you're just seeing right now and you're saying, oh man, like Penn State has the best this, 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 and this, right? And and you look at recruiting spending, the travel budget, all of that stuff. People can see those hard numbers and they can look at where they rank. I'm telling you, they don't matter anymore. They're right. not as big of a deal. They're not the. They're not what kids are looking for. The, the facilities <laughs> arms race went over, went away overnight, and it's it was fascinating to watch. Like this was the it whole is. thing. This was get 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 these guys here, and we can recruit them because we're all recruiting on the same level. Now you're not recruiting mm-hmm. on the same level, and it's hey, fill up our nil, which is a bad system. They know it's a bad system. They say it's a bad it's system. Like that. That's the funny thing is like we're not out here stumping for nil, but this is the system in front of you. Like that. Yeah. That's what you're going to have to do to win at this point. It might not be the case in three years, but it's really, really number one, funny. But number one, number two, it's like we're not arguing for the system. We're arguing for this is how you win in the system, and that's what you got to do. So we'll talk about this again. This is definitely going to come up again. Uh, but now we got to get to the BWI mailbag. As always, we'll have a seamless transition, and that transition is into the transfer portal. Um, uh, Zlati asks, is there a position that gets additions in the spring semester transfer portal? Which would it be and why? So if there is a position to target in the portal, which would it be and why? We can add in the NIL conversation on the back end of this. But Fitz, do you have anything in mind when Zlati, Zlati, ask this question? 
Not really. Um, you look at the the positions that we talked about throughout the process, wide receiver, a big one. They're going to continue to evaluate wide receivers, but the spring is going to tell them what they need to do, like whether they need to go out and make a splash, which I don't know that they're going to be put in the, the, the position to do that. But uh, wide receiver and offensive line was the number was kind of the number one target there at the end. Um, they, of course, got Nolan Rucci, but you still like to add uh, uh, tackles and everybody likes to add tackles, obviously. But I don't think there's a, a ton that, you know, sticks out for this 2024 team. Maybe you get some guys that you can, for lack of a better term, stash for for the future purposes. Um mm-hmm. They did a great job with corner with, uh, I think, with Kimber and, and Harris, and that seems pretty solid right there. Um, you'll continue to look. I guess a new special teams coach will come in. Maybe there's a kicker on the market or something like that that they can take a look at. But I, I think they're pretty much done, but that doesn't mean they're not going to look like that. They would be foolish not to. The other, th- the flip side here is they got to get, you know, they got to get their numbers in order. There's a lot of guys still on the roster right now, and they've got more coming in in the summer. Um, so you figure out where you get to 85, and I know the, the math gets creative there, but uh, right now they're they're looking more at uh, attrition more so than than addition. Uh, Nate, I want to get to this very quickly. Um, M Pasquale 28 asks any and yeah. all comments Nate is willing to share on Penn State hoops. We previewed it at the beginning of the show. What do you want to talk about with Penn State hoops and the situation that they have this week? Yeah, um, the, they're still playing. They have five more games, uh, including Wednesday night. They are at Rec Hall, so that's that is a genuine, interesting uh, parallel conversation to Kanye Clary not being on the team anymore. Uh, you know, I, I would say that I'm I'm gonna leave the salacious, juicy stuff for the site. Uh, T Frank, you can give the promo code again when when this is done. Um, but look, it's uh, it is a interesting time in college basketball where right, Mike Rhodes brought ten guys into the program, and you are trying to. Uh, herd cats is probably the wrong way to put it, but that's the best I can come up with right now is you've just got a lot of different interests. Uh, is NIL part of it? Absolutely. Right. Uh, I, I talked about this last football season that like, I'm just not sure how people, whether or not they wrap their heads around it. Uh, t- uh, time on the floor is opportunity and opportunity is money period and so when opportunity is taken away kanye clary had a concussion at the end of that minnesota game uh right on the back side he missed two games penn state won two games in his absence uh, and then on the way back they've had three games since he was a lesser part of the plan Right. And, and so as the head coach, Mike Rhodes is taking a measured approach to this saying, look, are we a better team without him on the floor or coming off the bench than we were with him as a starter? And I think that they landed on the answer is yes, they were. And so, uh, right. You, you get this situation that's, uh, you know, you know, nobody's really happy about. And when I say nobody, I mean, Kanye Clary and his family and, you know, the people around him and, Probably rightfully so, right? This notion of do you lose your spot because of an injury? Well, in this case, you kind of did. And the numbers reflected that on the backside of it. And things hit a boiling uh, boiling point. And, uh, right, it just it didn't work out. And so that's that, that. But now, 
like they got to make up for 17 points a game, right? This is a team that just scored 49 points in its road game at Nebraska without Kanye Clary on the floor or without having mm-hmm. him available there because he didn't go. Um, like Penn State has largely been a competitive scoring team. Their defense more often than not has been the thing that has let them down in these games. Well, now your, your defense is still bad. It's still not where it needs to be. But oh, also, you just lost the microwave that you had for scoring for, for when things are, are breaking down. So it's, uh, it, it's complicated and it's tough and it's delicate. And Mike Rhodes acknowledged that on Monday. He said that, he said that you, you have to make tough choices about now. Um, you know, I, it's, yeah, they need to get, they need to get to the off season as soon as possible. That's, that is my assessment of the Penn state basketball program. Uh, Fitz, we're going to come to you with a recruiting question and I, uh, answer this as you will, you know, cause I know that this can get into a lot of the deep stuff, but Penn state fans want to know about the quarterback situation is Penn state slow playing Malik Washington, a top target. And if so, and Matt Zoller's another top target commits elsewhere, uh, could Penn state end up with neither? So Penn state has two top targets. They already have a quarterback in the class. Um, what's your read on how the situation is playing out? Slow playing is a dangerous term there because they recruit both of them hard. Like it's not a situation where you're just like ignoring one guy because you have maybe a preference. And I think Matt Zollers is the guy that they, you know, if you're, if you're going one, a one B that would be the one a here. So um, slow playing is probably not the way to put it. Um, But, you know, I think that Zollers has put himself in a position to be the top target. He has visited a bunch. Malik Washington honestly hasn't done much in terms of recruiting. He's been to a couple places uh, during his basketball season, but basketball season is something that, that is, you know, at the forefront for him. I know Zollers is playing as well, but if you look at, I don't want to say the, uh, I would say the effort put into visits. Uh, Zollers went to USF, Florida, Georgia, Missouri, Penn State in two weeks in February. And, uh, you know, it was with Washington. I think it was Syracuse, Maryland, um, a couple other schools. So I, I don't think that slow playing is the way to put it. Um, but uh, Penn State, I think, has has sort of tipped its hand in terms of its preference. And it's the in-state kid. And by the way, both of them are great. So these are two, uh, if Penn State gets 1A or 1B, these guys are both, I think, very good quarterbacks. Uh, got a chance to really dig into Malik Washington's tape yesterday, and I was so impressed with a lot of stuff. I, I think he, he's got a lot of intangible stuff that you kind of miss if you're just watching how well he runs in the open field. And both of these guys, by the way, can do that. Both of these guys have, have a complete profile. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. And of course, Fitz is going to have all of that and Ryan Snyder over at the site. You had something you want to say? No, okay. I'm just scratching my nose, but I appreciate it. <laughs> um, of the 10 invited Penn Staters to the NFL Combine, which one do you expect to blow up the most and make some leaps from testing and drill work? I love this question. Fitz, I want to come to you. Uh, who do you think is going to be the combine darling or darlings of this group? Boy, um, that's tough because you take in the whole body of work in terms of which uh, which guys are sort of helping themselves. And I think that if it's just the combine, I think Theo Johnson is probably the guy. If yep. it's this whole body of work with January Senior Bowl, I think Adisa Isaac's done 
like wonders for his draft stock. And I think he's going to continue to do well. I don't know that he'll top it or he'll, he'll test at the top of his position. Like I expect Theo to do. Um, but I think both of those guys are really, really like going to open some eyes. And then of course, Curtis, Curtis Jacobs is going to run well. I, I feel pretty good about making that prediction. And if he runs well, you know how valuable that linebacker spot is in the NFL. And it's one of those positions that we, you know, sort of comes and goes in terms of the value of it. But like, yeah, I think it's on an upswing right now. I think Curtis Jacobs can can really help himself. Yeah, I'm super interested to see how the NFL sees Curtis as somebody who didn't play full time in the box, but has that versatility shows that in a really hard spot, he plays well, you know, in coverage, kind of in no man's land on the field side. Um, that's not going to be where he plays in the NFL, but how does that translate? And those athletic skills are going to be part of the conversation uh, in a big way. I'm curious about Theo. I know he'll run well in a straight line. I know he's going to look beautiful catching the ball in drills. Right. He is kind of a big dude, you know, big feet. How does he turn? Because that's something that I'm I'm interested in. I was scrolling through Twitter the other day and I saw somebody pull up uh, a stat of the NFL passing leaders at tight end and their relative athletic score, which is a combination of all the usable metrics from size to speed to change of direction, et cetera, among tight ends. And uh, 10, I think, is the highest. And all of the tight ends of the NFL that were in the top six or seven had a nine or above. Uh, and, and Theo can be in that group. I'm just curious about some of those things that some of those subcategories that we don't pay as much attention to that can inform his route running at the next level and stuff like that. So I'm just curious of how the NFL will, uh, where he'll play and how he'll play chop Robinson, his explosive metrics and the on-field testing of watching him run the hoop. I'm very excited for that right. because he's going to basically be parallel to the ground running to the to the uh, towel that he has to pick up because that's what he did at uh, at Penn State quite a bit. Well, it's it's um, funny because you look at all these guys and and you can make an argument for most of them. Uh, Daquan Hardy is going to have to run well, like he's going to have to do everything extra because of his size. Uh, yep. Hunter Norzad is going to be a guy that's probably going to surprise some people. I think he's going to be drafted middle rounds or something like that because of the value that he brings from positional versatility, uh, brains, and he's a really strong kid as well. Um, but you you look at Olu and Chop and you say how much higher can they go? And to me, it's 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 fascinating and kind of funny that people are saying that Olu's sliding because hmm. they mean, turn on his run film. Give me that happened. guy. Like, give me that guy. <laughs> give me that guy at nine or 10. Like, give me that guy at six. Like, it, it, yeah. it, like how, how much can he move based off of the, uh, the combine here? So it's, it's going to be fun to watch uh, all these guys and, you know, Johnny and, and Kalen, they need to like, get back above water basically mm -hmm. after that senior bowl. And we're going to see what they can do. see what they're made of. Nate, are any of these storylines, which ones are interesting to you? And, uh, you know, I'll just list off the names in case you don't have them in front of you. Theo Johnson, Olu Fashinu, Hunter Norizad, Caden Wallace, Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, Curtis Jacobs, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, and Kalen King are going to the Combine. Uh, which yeah. storylines are you interested in covering and following uh, through the draft process? Johnny Dixon. Why so? Well, I don't think anybody thought he was what he became by the end of his Penn state career. And so, right. How much of, how much of what he did this past season is right. It, it's the, it's the continuation of the Joey Porter situation with Kalen, right? It's, it's, it's almost a duplicate of that conversation is how much of Kalen's productivity was a result of teams, perceptions of Joey Porter. Okay. 
them this past year how much of Johnny's productivity was a result of Kalen King's perception. Uh, and then how and then how does that translate once you once you put him on the field and be right you put him in the into those uh, testing situations right how, do, how does he test how, how do all those things shake out for him and where does he eventually land because see Frank I mean I think at one point we had a conversation uh, like I you guys are paying way more attention to this than I am but like a mid a mid-ish round fourth fifth round pick maybe Dixon? maybe higher yeah yeah, I I mean, I maybe I'm off here, but I always saw his talent, you know, his feet, his speed, his ability to cover, physically cover ground as a second round corner. Where he develops into those is kind of, I guess, the question of do you project him to get better? But yeah, I, I think he's absolutely um, a guy who can start in the NFL. And then the question becomes, you know, is he a good starter? Is he a guy you're trying to replace fits? You know, I, I think that's it's and he's probably scheme specific, too. Yeah, I think that's that's a big thing is his landing spot's going to tell a lot. And I think I think you're right. I think he's the type of player that can start in the NFL. I don't necessarily know that he's going to start his career as a high draft pick and be that guy. Like if if it's like a third round pick, like great. Um but at the same time, like it, he's going to have to work his way there. He's not I don't think he's going to be a day one guy um wherever he goes and that's just I mean that kind of goes without saying, but at the same time I'm trying to uh, to elongate that point that he can be a very productive guy no matter if he's drafted in the 3rd or the 5th. Rob says this, and I just want to point this out about Chop Robinson. He says Chop's measurables are going to be key. The analysts point to a lack of sacks, which is really based on number of snaps. Win rate is decent. Win rate is great. Rob, thank you for saying this. He literally changed the plan for Michigan in eight snaps. They physically couldn't block him, so they stopped throwing the football. If you've got a guy who can change game plan, like first round or not, and the NFL's not going to draft him in the first round because he's not 265. But he can be a difference maker as a pass rusher. And and his ability to turn the corner and bend the edge, I think, is better than anybody that they've had recently. You know, And they've had some really good guys recently. Um, Fitz, coming back to you on this one. Uh, we talked about Lyric Samuel yesterday. Um, he has a senior season to go, says Master Joker. But how would you compare him to the previous three to four recruiting cycles when they've gotten wide receivers? Do you think he was a high-end prospect compared to the others, about the same, or below average as a wide receiver commit? Where, where do you put his talent level fits um, as far as what you think he can become? Yeah, I put him at about a 91 uh, on a scale. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not prepared for this question. I, I didn't see this question before, so okay. I apologize. Um, I think That's he's right. up there because I think he can do a lot of different things. You put on the film, he is a guy that can move really well. Like His feet are great. Um, his his uh, root running ability is there, but he's not yet asked to do it. So I think that he's got a lot of uh, a lot of work to do, but at the same time, I think he, he that's within him. I think he's going to be able to do that. So I'm high on him. Uh, I put him as a four-star guy, and, and I wouldn't really think too much about it. Like I said last night on the show, 89-90 is where I had him with the potential that he would end up higher. Just that he's starting at a 91 here at on three. Uh, that's that's a pretty pretty lofty start. But I, I see the tools that are in there, and I'm, I'm pretty high on Lyric Samuel myself. So I think as far as player comparison, which I, I I kind of take, I want to take that slant with that conversation. He reminds me a little bit of Malik Mega as the last guy that had that size and speed combination, except Malik Mega had, you know, he came from Canadian football and there was a much steeper learning curve. And But in terms of high abilities, you know, similar abilities, um, 
I generally, I would say in that kind of bucket of Malik mega, but I wouldn't say that like, it's a one-to-one comparison more of what are they working with? What are they, uh, you know, what are their tools that they have as opposed to their game or their level of production? That, and that's, that's dangerous. Cause people are going to hear Malik mega and just write the kid off like that. Right. <laughs> I mean, but if you remember in 2019, kid. everyone was very excited to have a six, four dude that could run like a deer. Right, you got, you got, and we're we're talking tools here. We're not talking actual like game skills. Like this kid catches the ball better than Malik Mega. I think I said it last night on the, on the uh, on the show. But um, it's so tough to compare guys apples to apples, especially for a guy that's coming from Brooklyn. You know, compared yeah. to um, let's say Malik McLean. You know, who also has size and speed, kind of of a similar a similar nature, was mm-hmm. playing at IMG. So like yep. that's going to be a really tough side by side comparison. So it's uh. <laughs> It, it, it's tough to pick one guy out, but I am pretty high on Lyric Samuel. Uh, this question, I think, is directed for me, but we can have this conversation if you want to. Poncho570 asks, with the uh, with Tom Allen going back to three technique and one technique defensive tackle designations, who do you see really needing to be developed at one tech behind the starting for this year? So this is something over on the Blue White Illustrated message board. I left some notes about what I've been seeing from Tom Allen's defense at Indiana and some of the things from a, an alignment perspective that I picked up on. This is one of the, the conversations we had. So if you, again, you want to check all that information out, you can find it there but i'd say poncho this is something i'm putting in the bucket of is that negotiable so D- james franklin talked about the non-negotiables for a-, a coordinator what do they need in terms of um they have to have in their defense can they play left or right at penn state i i don't I don't necessarily know until we see, so I don't want to really go deep into that conversation of one technique versus three technique when it's all based on what they did at Indiana, which can be very different from what they did, uh, what they do going forward. So there's just one of those things that trying to give you what to look for in the spring when we see them practice, when we see the blue-white game, what are the things that we can know and then inform later you know are those changes are those things that are uh interesting to find out how Um, how tom allen deals with better talent is going to be fascinating to watch because you have there because you've got guys maybe you pigeonhole yourself at indiana to playing in one and one and a three because that's the body type that you have or that's the you know sort of the the way that you have slanted um over those years but now you've got more athletic guys like you've got guys that have body types of one techniques that can also play three techniques finally yep. did a nice job of that last year um and then you move back to the linebackers and you say he plays a four two five well you've got a bunch of linebackers right now and some guys that can play that role of a third safety hybrid the you know that they would call the sam the, the off ball there uh, the field linebacker and all of a sudden maybe you're not running a 425 like I, I think this is a fascinating transition and i don't i don't think we see that right like i don't think we see the base of his indiana defense right away because of the talent that he has to work with yeah i think that's a great point something uh nate and i talked about uh we just had a conversation about because i there's some interesting wrinkles that we heard in the last week i'm going to be talking about that later on the site today writing an article about all of these different factors that can go into what tom allen might do nate last thoughts here as we get to the end of the show yeah i said it all i i blacked out so i'm <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we'll get going. That's the BWI Live Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Thanks to everybody who uh, gave us the thoughts and the questions for the mailbag and everyone who participated in our conversation today. Um, We will be back with more information, more conversation. Uh, We have the KSN show coming up tomorrow and then the recruiting show on Thursday. So stay tuned for all of that. Until then, we'll talk to you later.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.